So we've got some interesting uh, we've got some interesting text messages coming through here. Liz. Oh, really? Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> what about? Okay, the Tesla. Oh, cool. It's the Tesla Model Three. The people behind climate change are making sure that electric cars will rule our world. They decide what we will buy. BlackRock and the like are financing oh. the plan. They only give us the idea. We made the decision. It's called marketing. Does, or social engineering. Does Elon Musk... So it's a little bit like this. Right? All you've got to do is create a crisis, right? You create a crisis and people do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, you you you, uh, you, you create a, an energy crisis and push the prices of electricity up and everyone's going to buy solar panels for their roof. You create a pandemic and... Uh, you, no, sorry, you create a lockdown and everybody decides to get vaccinated. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't go there. <laughs> um, you create high fuel prices, and suddenly Shell and I are on the way into work this morning. Thing, maybe we could afford an, afford an e-bike. Actually, I I watched a, a doc. Well, I was about to say a documentary. It was a YouTube documentary, and it was about how like recycling was a sham made up by plastic companies to get you to buy <laughs> plastics that ruin the world. Plastics are ruining the world. That oh, they totally are. But then yes. they they there's actually like. A considerable amount of plastic that can't be recycled, but are yes. touted as being recycle- recyclable, and people fall for it. Yeah, they pretty much put that uh, little recycling triangle on the bottom of anything. Yeah, but no, but that's the thing is that it doesn't actually represent that it's recyclable. Of course, it doesn't. What it actually means is that you can use the product like however many times that little number that's on the inside that's what it talks about so you can wash it out and clean it and use it as many times as the number number says says. so you can use like a water bottle like say it's got a one on the bottom it's one time but people see the triangle and they're like oh so it's recyclable it's like no it's not and they put it in the recycling bin yeah and then the recycling people have to sort through that and throw everything out throw it in the ocean All right, The Chosen. This has been one of the best presentations of the life of Jesus. I love it. It actually touched my heart. I recommend it to everyone. Or it could be the propaganda. I just want. I just want so to get far, conspiracy. So good. I just want to get conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> I, you wanna, I bet you've that, had, that you've same had my person, conspiracy, and now you want to have your conspiracy. Well, no, that same person just said that that the Teslas are conspiracy, which is totally like, yeah, fair enough. You can you can say that like that. Yeah. So I'm going to say the Chosen's a conspiracy. Okay. But, thanks for the interview with Pastor Mike Browning. He is one of my favorite pastors. Oh wow. Yeah. There is, you go. Is that a conspiracy? <laughs> I, I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> uh, let me just see. Here. Whoops, where do we go? Where do we go? Uh, sports TV host attacked on his views on creation. A man of religious conviction. How rare. He must be very. He must be very good to get a contract that allows him to do so that it is not work on Sundays. Uh, his belief in cre- on creation he may may cost him dearly. It was okay until he told his views on it. Let's face mm. it, it's a demonic attack of God's word, the great controversy behind the scenes between Satan and God. Well, the funny thing is that he'd never actually even told it. If you actually read the story, he never said anything about creation. He's just, he's just a Christian, yeah. and they attacked him on creation, assuming that he believes in creation. Yeah. You know, not realizing that you know, the vast majority of Christians don't believe in creation because they don't believe in the Bible. You know, we were just chatting that, that, that conversation with, with Mike uh, Browning, and it's remarkable how that uh, you have, you know, he grew up in a Christian home that didn't really take the Bible seriously, didn't mm. really believe in the Bible. Uh, looks like freedom for the unvaccinated is going to be delayed. Just heard it on the news. Why does it not surprise me? Mm. Well, 
we shall see what happens. And the thing is, I don't think there's any reason to delay it because we are clearly going to go past, you know, 95 plus percent. Mm. We're already 95, we've gone past 95 plus as far as first vaccines and second vaccines are very close behind it and numbers are dropping. So I think it's time to stop freaking out and get on with life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, we should get to our Bible study and we are, well, we're in the book of Deuteronomy. Oh, So let's classic. go to numbers. Oh. <laughs> now we'll go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, verse 3 and 4. While we're turning there, just a, a quick reminder that if you're in an area that struggles to get the Faith FM signal, get the Faith FM app. This is the best way to mm. listen to Faith FM. I talk to people all the time, uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, I listen to Faith FM sometimes, but I don't actually have a transmitter in my area. I'm like, you have a transmitter in your pocket. What are you talking about? Yeah. Also, also, I want to say this. I, I know a few people who listen to the podcast, you know, delayed delayed broadcast. Like, well, they listen to the podcast on the website because, you know, they're maybe not up at this time. And it's like, oh, hey, I want to listen to the breakfast show driving home or whatever it is. But then I know some people who actively and willfully listen to the delayed broadcast, even though they can just get it on their phone. And I'm like, man, like... Stop that, please. Like, yes. Shout out to our delayed broadcast listeners. We love you, but we also want to encourage you. Dude, get the app. Like, Listen on your phone. Listen Get live. the live show. Text us questions. Like, please, Communicate guys. with us. Totally. We love hearing from you guys. Mm-hmm. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Let's go, Lawson. What have you got uh, for The us? Bible says, You saw for yourself what the Lord did to you at Baal Peor. There, the Lord your God destroyed everyone who had worshipped Baal, the God of Peor. But all of you who were faithful to the Lord your God are still alive today. Every one of you. Interesting story. A very dark blot on the history of Israel at this particular time. Because we look at the the history of Israel at this particular time and and they're moving into a very prosperous uh, time period and we think, oh, you know, they're going to do great. They're going to go over there. They're going to smash Jericho. But there's Baal Peor that is sort of haunting them in the background and AI is not far in the future. Mm. And we talk about AI, we're not talking about um, artificial intelligence. We're talking about a city called AI. Isn't it literally just spelled AI? Mm -hmm. You could just say I, right? Yeah, but that's spelled E-Y-E. No. It's A-I. No, no, you talk to Japanese people. They have names that are I. It's A-I. Okay. But I'm not Japanese. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go to... Let's, let, let, let's, let's have a read of this story and let's find out what happened at Baal Peor mm. that was so terrible and that haunted the Israelites and was something that they had to be reminded of. So Numbers chapter 25 is where we're going to head to. There's a really important lesson that we are going to draw out of this particular passage because it's kind of how sin, you know, one sin works with another sin. So Numbers chapter 25, let's head over there and let's just start in verse 1. Mm-hmm. Numbers 25 and verse 1, the Bible says, While the Israelites were camped at Acacia Grove, some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with the local Moabite women. Here you go. Uh, continues on. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods, so the Israelites feasted with them and worshipped the gods of Moab. In this way, Israel joined in the worship of Baal of Peor, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. 
the Lord issued the following command to Moses. Seize okay, okay, wait, 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 stop, stop, there, stop there. We'll stop there before we go any further. All right, so we have, um, let's, let's just run through this story so far. So they've come to Moab, mm. and the Moabites are very, very afraid of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. The Moabites decide that they probably can't conquer the Israelites in open conflict, in open battle. Mm. They probably can't. And so, like, well, if we're going to get on top of these guys, then what we need to do is we need to, well, we 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 need to, we need to do this by, via stratagem. And mm-hmm. so, let's curse them somehow, so that they are under the curse of God. So that you know, let's put a spell on them so that we can win this upcoming conflict with the Israelites. And that's what they try to do. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. And they know that their gods are not powerful enough. Mm. They've seen how the Israelites came out of Egypt. They've heard the story of the crossing of the Red Sea. Mm. They've heard about the plagues in Egypt. They've seen how the Egyptian empire has been absolutely crippled by the plagues that God sent. They know all of these stories and they know that their gods are just not that powerful. Mm. So even if they do conjure up spells and curses against the Israelites, their spells and curses are going to account to nothing because the Israelite God is just too powerful. Mm. And so they start searching for someone who is a worshipper of Yahweh to come and curse them using their own God. Yes. They're like, the only way we can do this is by using their own God to curse them. And so they find this man by the name of Balaam. And Balaam lives in Mesopotamia, and Balaam is a prophet of the true God. He's a prophet of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. But he's not an Israelite. And they're like, this is perfect because he's not a blood relative of these people, so why should he care whether they are destroyed or not? We'll just offer him lots of money, and he can curse Israel. And problem solved right there. So they go to Balaam. They offer him lots of money. He's super surprised to have you know, royal emissaries and princes turn up in his home, mm-hmm. as you would be, and it kind of tickles his fancy a little bit. But he has a problem. He's like, I can't curse Israel because they're blessed of God. They're blessed of Yahweh. Mm. And so they, uh, the emissaries go home and then they send some more, more important than the last ones, you know, to, to flatter him a little bit more. He's got some major celebrities now staying in his home. And he's like, look, let me go and ask God. That's where he made his first mistake, as if God's going to change his mind. Why would you ask God when God has already spoken? And God's like, fine, Go but you will only be able to speak the words that I put in your mouth. Mm. And so Baal goes. You have the story of the talking donkey, which is one of the best stories in the Bible because Balaam gets so angry he has a conversation with the donkey um, <laughs> as if that's a normal thing to do. <laughs> but uh, he goes to Israel, and when he gets to Israel, rather than cursing Israel, he blesses them. Mm. Because God takes control of his mouth and only the things that God wants said are the things that come out of his mouth. And so he's blessing them and blessing them and blessing them and Balak, the king of the Moabites, is like, well, let's just come to a place where you can just see a corner of them because, you know, maybe seeing too much of the camp is a problem. Let's 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 curse this camp one section at a time and that doesn't work either. And then eventually after they try and try and try to pronounce curses on Israel and, you know, Balaam will get all of his curses ready and then when he opens his mouth, he just blesses them and, you know, blessings just come pouring out of his mouth. And then eventually his blessings go so far that he starts talking about the coming of the Messiah. 
Mm. And we have some of the greatest messianic prophecies that are, that are found anywhere in the Bible. And he goes home super sad. You think about that for a moment. Mm. He goes home super sad. He's just prophesied about the Messiah. Mm. He's just given one of the greatest prophecies that you'll find anywhere in Scripture. He's just given a prophecy that the shepherds will follow and the wise men will follow when they come to worship the Messiah. Mm. He's just become a central figure in the Christmas story because Christmas is coming. Mm -hmm. I know this because my wife set up our Christmas tree yesterday. It is it is the first, well, it was the first of November. Okay, now let's not distract us from our Bible study, but that, I, ca- I cannot believe you just said that. <laughs> I cannot believe you just said that. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a few people on our street that can't believe it either. But anyway, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, we're getting in and starting early. And so uh, the, the this is what happens. He becomes one of the one of the greatest messianic prophecies prophets that there is in the Bible. Wow. And he's super discouraged about it. The reason he's super discouraged about it is because they offered him money, mm. and he really liked the idea of that money. And he goes home, and he cogitates on it for a while. And he's like, "It's impossible for me to curse Israel," mm. and he's sad. And then he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if I came up with a scheme wherein Israel cursed themselves? <laughs> so he travels all the way back to Balak and he's like, I've got a solution. You don't need me to curse Israel. Israel can curse themselves. And, you know, this is obvious too, and I'm, I'm sure he laid out before Balak, the Moabite king, all of the history of Israel. Yes, God has blessed them with the plagues. Yes, God has blessed them with the crossing of the Red Sea. Yes, you need to be afraid of Yahweh. But then look what Yahweh did when they rebelled against Yahweh. Mm. Yahweh sent them into the desert for 40 years. Mm. And so uh, maybe if you can get them to rebel against Yahweh, they'll go back into the desert for 40 years, another 40 years, and you won't have to worry about it. Your children or grandchildren will have to worry about it, but you won't have to worry about it. Mm. And so Balak's like, well, how do we do this? And what they set up is a honey trap. Yeah, yeah, a honey, honey pot. Yeah, a honey, a honey trap. Classic, it's- classic honey trap, right here, honey pot. Mm. Uh, and it works basically like like this: they they go to the women of Moab and they say, we need you to go down into the camp of the of Israel and seduce the the Israelites. Mm. And it makes there's a, there's a, just a whole bunch of questions that come into my mind at this particular point. How do you convince that many women to go and take one for the team? Mm. This tells me something about Moabite culture, and it tells me that the fact that those women went into the camp of Israel and were willing to do that is that this was an incredibly toxic culture to begin with. Oh, totally. Typically, this kind of thing would be something would be you know because basically he's like he he asks the population of his country to become to go and become prostitutes, mm. go and prostitute themselves, the women of his country. And I'm sort of thinking about what about the men? Mm. What about the husbands and the fathers? What do they think about this? That their women folk are just being sold off. To go and have sex with all of these Israelites. Yeah, wow. And what are the women thinking? Why are the women not standing up and saying something? Well, I'd, I would say that the women are not standing up and saying something because they don't have a choice. Mm. 
That's, that's how I'm reading this story. Now, I could be entirely wrong, but that's the way that I read this story. I mean, this might be a situation. The alternative is that this was a situation in which these women had been abused from such a young age and for so long that this was nothing unusual for them and nothing that they would be even concerned about and they would be like, yeah, sure, we'll go and do that. Mm. Neither of those options are good options. Both of those options are incredibly toxic options and when you see what Balak and the men of Moab were willing to do, it gives you a bit of an insight into why God was like, you know what, these nations need to be destroyed. Mm. They need to be gone. These nations are incredibly toxic. You don't need to be mixing and mingling and marrying with these nations. This is a level of toxicity toxicity that is on, 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 on just an altogether different level. And so the Bible goes on and the Bible says that, well, this is exactly what they do. Um, let me just uh, go here to, let me just, uh, I've got a text message here that has just come through. Uh, the Moabites viewed God differently to how we view him. They feared him intensely whilst we view him as such a loving God. Mm. This is a really valid point. And it, and it kind of goes on with what we're saying because, you know, why would the Moabites fear God? Well, they've seen what God had done. Yeah. Why would we not fear God? Because we've seen what God has done. Mm. Why would the Moabites fear God? Because they have their own gods. Now, at that particular point, you would have to stop and ask, why don't they just go and say, look, we will worship Yahweh? Mm. What's stopping them? Anyway, oh, I've been going on and on and on here telling the story, and it's a, it's a story that we need to learn from. Totally. The Bible says that uh, Israel... Uh, was in Acacia Grove. They committed whoredom with the daughters of Moab, um, and they called the people unto their sacrifices to their gods. So let's let's notice what happens here, because physical sin is often followed by spiritual sin. Mm. And uh, you know there are you know the Ten Commandments, and and there's the commandment, "Thou shalt have no other gods before me." And I think that the Israelites were very very intent on keeping that first commandment, "Thou shalt have no other gods before me." And if you'd have gone to the Israelites, and if you'd have said to the Israelites, "Yeah, you know what? Um, why don't you go and worship these Moabite gods?" They would have recoiled in horror at this particular point in their history. You you literally get killed for it. Yeah, you read in the book of Deuteronomy, like, uh-huh. and, it, and then it gives an it's like it lays out the law, and then it gives an example. And why would you? You're getting manna mm. every single day. Why would you? Why would you rebel against a God like that? Mm. You've got the history of your God. He's a powerful God. He loves you. You've got so much evidence. Why would you? Why would you jeopardize any of that? Mm. And so you've got all of this happening here. And I think that if you'd gone to the Israelites, yeah, they would have been like, no, there's no way. But you go to them with a honey trap, and in no time, well, we're going to learn what happens here. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Lyle, guess what? What? I just got a letter. You, you got a letter? In the mail. You, you're just getting all the love this dude, morning. Dude, I'm read this, read sad. this, read this. this I just got a letter to the studio in the mail. Fan, fan mail Check this out. Through. Check Literally. G'day, Lawson. I really enjoy the breakfast show. Thanks so much. This morning, I heard you like stickers. Uh, this was on the 28th of the 10th. This morning, I heard you like stickers. So here are some of ours. Cheers and God bless, Christopher Rantel. Ah, oh, Christopher! He is absolutely <laughs> from, an epic individual. So I received some stickers from the Happy Diver podcast. Yes. So, yes. dude, thank you. He does you. amazing podcasts. I've chucked one on my laptop. Uh, our, our standing producer at the moment, well, standing in, learning, have we, have doing we, amazing. Have we welcomed 
Maganta yet today? Not today. Maganta from uh, from Newcastle. Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle Uni Church. Newcastle, Your church. Newcastle Your- Uni doing a doing an epic like you know internship here at the conference and whatnot, and uh, she is you know helping us with the show producing this morning. And so she's she, doing an amazing job. But she chucked one of the stickers on her phone. I gave Shell one of the stickers. Do you want a sticker? Of course. Yeah, well, here, here you go. Here's, sure. here's, yeah, here's yeah. a sticker. And then I've got like three left to just, I don't know, I guess I'll put them all over town. I just get everyone interested in the happy diver. So you've got to know some things about Christopher Randall. This guy's had a rough life. Um, he's had to deal with some PTSD issues, spent some time in the military. Um, he is somebody who we interviewed recently because he had a parachuting accident yeah, wow. and survived it. And he is somebody who persistently rises above whatever the world throws at him. Mm. Um, And this is the thing I love about Chris is that you know he just he just he just loves to share the 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 happiness and the joy, and uh, to just yeah just keep pushing forward. So fantastic stuff. Let's get into the Bible study. Okay, so let's go back to our Bible study. And what you've got here is you've got a whole bunch of young men. Uh, who have been invited by the women of Moab to come to a festival. And, of course, these young men, as this invitation goes out, they are like, no, we're not going to go to a pagan festival. That's not what we do. We worship Yahweh. And these young women who are now having sex with them and seducing them, and they're quite attractive, and they're saying, no, 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 just come and watch. Just come and watch. Mm. And so we're going to have this great big festival. You don't have to participate in it. You don't have to do any of the pagan stuff. Just watch. Mm. It's a great spectator event. <laughs> and so the young men go and they are just watching and the young women are like, come on, just come in for a dance or come in and join in this and join in that and do the other. And sooner or later, in a very short space of time, you've got like 24,000 Israelites who are worshipping pagan gods. Mm. This was incredibly effective the strategy that Balaam came up with. He set a honey trap, a honeypot trap, and it seduced the Israelites. And if we go back to what we were talking about, you know, if you'd have gone to these young men and said, oh, worship these pagan gods, they would have said no. But then what you do is that you break down their moral compass by physical sin so that you can then lead them to spiritual sin. Mm. Because if you'd have said, one day you will doubt the existence of God, one day you will doubt whether God is real, one day whether you will doubt whether God is powerful, one day you will doubt, and they would be like, we're never going to doubt that. We're eating manna every day. But when physical sin comes in, and initially they're enjoying this physical sin, it's going well for them, mm. they're like nothing bad is happening, why would we worry about this? They even start to bring these Moabite women into the camp. Yeah, well. and into their own tents in front of everybody else. You know, this is how far it goes. And uh, it was the fact that they began with physical sin that led to spiritual sin. There are so many, so many young people today. Well, people of all ages today. There is particularly amongst men, but very largely amongst women as well, who in exactly the same way fall into sexual sin. We've mm-hmm. talked with David Haupt, I think it was last week about pornography. And here's the thing with pornography. You know, people look at pornography and they're like, yeah, but I still love God and I go to church and I read my Bible every day and I still have a connection with God. But what they don't realize is that pornography is eroding their connection with God. That's the way that sin works. It erodes your connection with God until you reach the point you'll do things that you never even dreamed of doing in the past. Mm. All right, let's continue on with uh, our passage here in the book of Numbers and then we're going to head over to the book of Hosea. 
He was somebody who knew something about sexual sin. Yeah. All right. Numbers chapter 25, and we'll pick it up in verse 5. So this is in verse 5. Moses ordered the judges of Israel, each of you must put to death the men under the authority who have joined in the worshipping of Baal of Peor. Keep going. Um, Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent right before the eyes of Moses and all the people, as everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron the priest saw this, he jumped up and left the assembly. He took a spear and rushed after the man into the tent. Phinehas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body into the woman's stomach. So the plague against the Israelites stopped but not before 24,000 people had died. This is a hectic story. <laughs> it's so brutal. Mm-hmm. Yes, keep going there, up and through. Well, yeah, just, just finish out the chapter for us. Then the Lord said to Moses, Phineas, son of Eleazar, the grandson of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites by um, being as zealous among them as I was. So I stopped destroying all of Israel as I intended to do in my zealous anger. Now tell him that I am making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him, um, in this covenant, I give him and his descendants permanent right to the priesthood. For in the zeal, for in his zeal for me, his God. Uh, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. The Israelite man killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri, son of Salu, the leader of the family from the tribe of Simeon. The woman's name was Cosby. She was the daughter of Zer, leader of the Midianite clan. Then the Lord said to Moses, attack the Midianites and destroy them because they assaulted you with deceit and tricked you into worshiping Baal of Pure. And because of Cosby, the daughter of the Midianite leader, who was killed at the time of the plague because of what had happened at Pure. So this is a really heavy story that you've got happening right here. You know, these people fall into idolatry. You know, they're on the borders of the promised land. Mm. They're just about there. You know, the lesson there for us is that we're just about there. The the Lord is just about to come. We're Mm. on the borders of the promised land. And we're getting we're getting temptation thrown at us like has never been thrown at us before, and the question is, what are we going to do about that? Are we going to stay true to God or or not? Wow, mm. you know, you can you can see the parallels that exist between this experience and our experience today, and it's a pretty serious story. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Now it is time for question of the day. All right, our question of the day is essentially this. Did Satan get a second chance, like, you know, after everything kind of going down in heaven? For those familiar with the story, he, like, gets kicked out. But was there any kind of process to that? or Was there any second chance that Satan got while he was in heaven before he was kicked out of heaven? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, it's a really good question. Did Satan get a second chance in heaven? Okay, so we've got two primary verses uh, in the Bible that speak about uh, Satan or Lucifer in heaven, Lucifer as he was called in heaven mm. before the fall. The first one is in Isaiah chapter 14. We start reading in verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Um, so you've got this this whole issue of pride that comes in here. And people want to know whether Satan ever got a second chance. And this goes very much along with the concept of people receiving a second chance on earth. And so you're going to find that there are some who teach that the last generation, for instance, of human beings gets a second chance. They will teach that nobody else gets a second chance, but the last generation gets a second chance. And so basically what they'll say is that, you know, Jesus will come back, the secret rapture will happen, and the wicked who are left on earth get a second chance because they get a second opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. But my question is this, even if that did happen, would that be a second chance? Uh, I would say no. No. It's not a second chance. It's a second quadrillion chance. Because you're getting a second chance every day of your life that you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. Every minute of every day, you are getting a second chance. There's no such thing as a second chance because we always have the chance while probation continues, and that is an infinite number of chances. Mm. And so, you know, people like to think, oh, you know, God's merciful, so he's going to give a second chance. No, God is merciful. God gives a bazillion chances. And while we're alive, we have a chance. Or while our probation has not closed, we have a chance. You've got some people who uh, go so far that they completely cut themselves off from God and their probation closes while they're still alive. You think of you know, King Saul when he goes to the witch. You think of um, Belshazzar uh, when, you know, the, with the writing on the wall, it's actually proclaimed to him that his probation has closed already. Um, you, you, you think of uh, the high priest who tears his robe when during the during the uh, court scene of Jesus. You know, so you've got some people who, you know, but for most people, the their chances for salvation exist until they die. How many chances do you want? So no, there's no such thing as a second chance. This is the first thing. The second thing is we need to understand the nature of sin. And we've been talking about sin this morning. Uh, we talked about how that the Israelites, first they sinned physically and then they sinned spiritually. First they fell into adultery and nothing happened. And so then they fell into idolatry and then something happened and then they got upset because something happened. And this is how sin works. This is the nature of sin. Sin is progressive by nature. And so you have to ask yourself the question, when Lucifer, when Satan first sinned, where did that sin begin? Well, it began in his mind. Was he booted out of heaven the moment that it existed in his mind? No, not at all, because the Bible says he took a third of the angels with him when he left heaven. That indicates that sin existed as a process over a period of time. And if sin existed as a process over a period of time, then how many chances was Satan getting from when he had that first doubt all the way through until he was tossed out of heaven? He got a gazillion chances to repent and come back to God until God said, no, that's it, it's enough, you're out, and boots him out of heaven. And so God is somebody who is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's desire for every single human being on earth. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.